Why is self-care for caregivers the antidote for compassion? And why is it difficult to achieve self-care in our current culture? Let's talk deeply about compassion fatigue and caregiving with Dr. Edward Smink right here on episode 344 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith, of course, and this podcast is about you, your personal professional development, your career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm always here to share education ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people out there. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my podcaster's heart for being a part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And here's a super, super special request. If you find value in the show, and you'd like to become a supporter because, you know, creating more than 360 episodes incurs a lot of costs over the years. So in 2021 and into 2022, I'm asking 100 regular listeners to pledge $2 a month for 12 months. That's less than buying me a cup of coffee every month. And you can rest assured the show contains no added caffeine or sugar, no empty calories, just a lot of audio awesomeness for you. You can always pledge more over at Patreon, but $2 a month would be amazing. So head to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to sign up and show your support for the show. And I thank you so much for considering the potential of supporting me here at the Nurse Keith Show. And did you know that Nurse Keith Coaching is your destination for all things related to your career? I've completed hundreds of expert holistic coaching sessions, actually almost 2,000 at this recording, with nurses and healthcare professionals like you from all around the world. And if you mention the Nurse Keith Show, you can get 10% off your first package. And if you mention Dr. Edward Smink or the Soul of Caregiving, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. So email me at keith at nursekeith.com to schedule a complimentary chat. Now that we've done all that shameless self-promotion, the show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 344. And I'm here joined by my good friend and colleague, the author and writer and PhD and so many other things, Dr. Edward Smink. And Edward, it's so good to have you here. And last time we talked was last year in 2020 in the height of the, the beginning of the pandemic. And a lot has happened since that time. So in that interview, we were talking about your book, The Soul of Caregiving, A Caregiver's Guide to Healing and Transformation. And I remarked how necessary that first edition of your book was. So why now do we need a revision? What what have you discovered that needs to be added to this conversation now? Well, thank you, Keith, for inviting me. And first of all, we all experience change. And during the pandemic, I realized that there were a few key elements I wanted to stress that were not in the first edition. For example, why is self-care so difficult for caregivers? Mm. And I discovered that there are three cultural taboos. The first taboo is that we don't acknowledge what's going on within ourselves, and we're afraid to acknowledge that with another person. The second is that we don't talk about our experiences. We're, we're fearful because we might be ridiculed or shamed or especially that we're not good enough. 
I remember talking to a physician who works in a neonatal intensive care unit. And I said, that must be difficult. And he said, yes, it is. And I said, can you share your stories with any of your peers, your other physicians? And he said, if I did, they would think I was a bad physician. So there's that sense we can't even talk about our normal experiences to traumatic events. The pandemic is a traumatic experience and a traumatic event that all of us worldwide have experienced. The third taboo is we're not permitted to share our feelings. Remember, stuff your feelings. Remember, don't be emotional. Remember in any type Mm -hmm. of your training, you know, you leave your emotions outside the door. Well, guess what? We're human. And because we're human, we have emotions. So it's better than not stuffing them. It's better to allow yourself to share them. For example, after an experience maybe of a death in the ER, and you're filled with tears, you know, can you, can you honestly say to your teammates, this really affected me? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never thought it would, but it did. I, I, I'm just, you know, beyond words. No, they don't do that. They go quickly to the next event. And the debriefing doesn't happen. I remember talking with a, um, a member of the emergency medical uh, workers And she said to me that if she developed any type of debriefing or went to a debriefing, her teammates would call it the crybabies club. Wow. Just imagine the crybabies club for seeking normal debriefing. I know debriefing is voluntary, but I wish it was mandatory because Mm -hmm. if we do start dealing with these emotions, we get better. Right. It's it's just that simple. It's a form of self-care. So the three taboos are, go over them one more time, just just describe them again. One is? Number one is to trust what's going on with inside yourself and to trust another person. The second is to tell your story. Mm -hmm. We have stories to tell. In fact, most of us would like to share them, but we feel we'll burden our family or we'll burden our teammates or we'll be ridiculed if we honestly talk about our story. I see. And And the third is to be in touch with our feelings, not to stuff them, mm-hmm. but to be able to share them openly and, and periodically with our teammates. So we have to feel them, we have to acknowledge them, and then we have to share them, right? And a lot of that doesn't happen. And you mentioned the pandemic and <laughs> we can't ignore it, right? It's still ongoing. People, lately people, I find, I hear the phrase during the pandemic as if it's in the past, but it's still happening. I'm just saying that. We're in the mid-October right now. <laughs> so. 
during this pandemic, you said it's a, it's a trauma, right? It's a traumatic event. When we think of traumatic events, often we think about a murder, um, a, a death in a car accident, um, a natural disaster, right? A bomb going off or something. Those de- events often happen in a split second or over several minutes, right? Or an active shooter event that might last a few hours. How many months have we been in the pandemic now? A year and I don't know, seven months as you and I are recording? Almost almost eight, over 18 months, yeah. Over 18 months. So what does it mean to be in the middle of a traumatic event that doesn't seem to have any end? <laughs> what, what happens is that there there becomes a sense of hopelessness actually we're grieving we're grieving that we can't go out the way we used to we we can go out to certain events but we have to be socially distant um in in most cases we have to wear a mask if we want to um be on an airplane we have to prove that we were vaccinated I mean, there's a lot of restrictions. And so there's a loss that's going on. And mm-hmm. how long does grieving have to go on instead of us acknowledging, you know, damn, I'm sick of this. See, that's an emotion. Mm-hmm. And what can I do right now to better take care of myself, even if it goes on for another three or four months? What can I mm-hmm. do? to pull myself out of that, I, 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 w- I want to say not only cultural, but worldwide trauma. And the trauma is many of us have lost friends or relatives. That's true. I've lost uh, one person specifically who I knew and loved to COVID, but a lot of more tangential people connected to other people who I know and love. Yeah. So there, there is that that basic, I, I use the word trauma because I think it, it, it's an event that shocks us. Yeah, right. So for yeah, all of a sudden, we're, 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 we have to be isolated. Well, that, I mean, that's new. We can't mm-hmm. go out of our apartments or our homes. We can't be right. on the streets. Well, that's loosening up now. And then there's this whole... Um, political discussion of should you wear a mask and it's mm-hmm. proven that if you wear a mask it does help and we mm-hmm. want to get over it and the way to get over it is to get vaccinated and to wear a mask i mean it, right. it, we as healthcare providers sh- should know that and yet there are still earth earth excuse me there are still he- healthcare providers that refuse to do that and we have to think, all right, so they've been through the same trauma as us. We're all going through this trauma together and people react to traumas in different ways. And some people go to fear. Some people want to jump in the fire and help, right? Some run into the burning building. Some run away from the burning building. And Ed, you've, you have a PhD in MA in mythological studies and depth psychology, which always fascinates me from Pacifica Graduate Institute. And you've been you've been a nurse, you've been a nursing assistant, you've been a chaplain, a pastoral counselor, you've been an executive healthcare leader for 
four decades, I think, or more. So you're, you're using your writing to impact people now. You started with this book specific. Well, you, what I know is you started with your dissertation, Thresholds of Affliction, The Heroic Journey of Illness, and then your thesis, Rooted Flight, The Transformative Value of the Caregiver in the Dying Process. And then your book, The Soul of Caregiving, A Caregiver's Guide to Healing and Transformation. And you and I had a conversation last year, like I said, and this book is really important to you. It's, it's a real work of your heart. So what is the most important part about this book in terms of you putting out this revised edition? We talked about the three cultural taboos. What else is it about this book that is so timely and important as 2021 comes to a close? Well, deep in my heart, I want to reach out to caregivers and let them know that they're not alone. I went through compassion fatigue on the verge of burnout 25 years ago, and it was through a kind, dedicated counselor that I was able to regain my life. He really saved my mm -hmm. life. And so I want the book to be a tool, to be a vehicle where caregivers can begin the process of recognizing they're not alone. They can mm. recognize they can allow themselves to reflect on their experience. In fact, in this new revision, there are questions as there were in the first edition, but on the page of the questions are uh, a opportunity for the reader to jot down their experiences from these questions. So reflection is really a tool that helps you understand your experience. And because of our rapid culture in everything we do, we lose that sense of stepping back and reflect. My belief is the more reflection we do, the better able we're able to sort out what insights we have, like, wow, that was a wonderful experience I had. And I'm very grateful to feel hmm. that my caregiving really affected that person. Mm. Or mm -hmm. on the other hand, that the death of that particular person really touched me. I had been working with that person at, at their home for almost a year. And I, I really love that person. So I'm feeling the loss. And so what do we do with that? Our culture says just snap out of it. True. But that's not what is human. What's really human is to reflect and learn and gain from those experiences. Yeah, I see. So in that case, <laughs> boy, these are these are these are thorny. This is thorny stuff, some, isn't it, to some extent? In that case, then, what, is, what are some of the remedies? You mentioned when you were having a difficult time burning out, and I've been, through, I've been there too, that you went and saw a counselor, right? 
and that person saved your life. They kind of, they pulled you out of the depths of your despair, your dark night of the soul. In the context of what you're talking about, caregivers who are put in the position of feeling like they're going to show weakness if they ask for a debriefing, or they're going to be told they're creating a crybaby's club or whatever, what have you, Where, what do we do with that in healthcare? Because a lot of my listeners obviously are nurses, the vast majority. What do you do with that then? Do you take it outside work if you can't get what you want at work? Do you push to get it at work? What do you do when you're faced with such a situation? I believe there's many options, and you just mentioned a couple of them. You, you can start with one person you trust at work, and you could be, be able to say, do you have a moment? I just really want to share this with you. And that person may, may say, yes, let me listen. And what's important is that you tell that particular person, I don't want advice. I want you to listen. And, wow. and when we're heard, that's the key. When we feel we're heard, it gives us a freedom to choose some options of care. Mm -hmm. We have to feel we're heard. You know, do, you know she, she or he really hears me. So it could, it could start that way with one person. Then you might, might invite another person. You might talk to your supervisor and say, can we, can we begin some type of debriefing mm -hmm. that we can share our experiences together? In fact, during the pandemic, nurses and healthcare workers, doctors, they went out on the street and they broke the taboo. They told everyone, we need help. And they still are. And they still yeah. are. And right. They, they went on camera to talk about it. Right. I don't know if they realize how much they broke the taboo. Hmm. And Interesting. I didn't think about that. And, and right. because of that, you know, there might be some changes. Now, administrators or nursing, elite, nursing supervisors or, or uh, directors, you know, they're always looking how to maintain their staffs. Well, one way mm -hmm. you maintain them is taking care of them. That is, that is not rocket science, Ed, but it often doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because <laughs> and, <laughs> it's a cultural taboo. But if there's a nursing shortage, for instance, and attrition is high, and it's hard to hire because there's a shortage and it's hard to attract people, then doesn't it figure that you'd want to take care of them so that people will actually stay? Of course it does. In fact, Lester Holt had a program several months ago in mm -hmm. which he talked about a police captain who was experiencing compassion fatigue that led to PTSD. Mm -hmm. And the captain brought his whole team together. And he said, instead of isolating everybody who has difficulties with the work we're doing, I'm going to start a process from now on. First of all, I'm going to tell you I'm suffering from PTSD. 
And at our weekly meetings, we're going to start talking about how we can support each other. Well, that was one captain in one police mm-hmm. force that was able to make a change. Yeah. I remember Mother Teresa was confu- was ridiculed because when she first started her work with the poor in Calcutta, the religious leaders said, Why, what can you do? You know, what can you do? There's so much going on. And she said, I will deal with one person at a time. Yeah. And so who is that nursing supervisor or or director or physician leader or home care maker or educator that says, I want to, I want to change the attrition that's going on in my, in my company. And I know mm-hmm. a company that has changed it because they care for their mm. associates. They spend the time. Imagine. Yeah. It's time well spent, even in this, this, this culture where we say we're also busy, busy, busy. We use that word so much, um, which is a four-letter word to me. <laughs> um, I don't use that word. It's, it's, so, co- it's cost effectiveness. Is a cost avoidance. Cost effectiveness. Cost avoidance yeah. is the term to use. That it it costs more to hire new people than it is to maintain the ones you have. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Ed, when we come back from the quick break, I want to talk about your hopes for the future. And I want to talk about National Caregivers Month. And I also want to talk about your book, the second edition that launches November 1st, 2021 in paperback. So we're going to talk about that. And then also I want to touch on this notion from the book about the difference between caregivers and caretakers. So does that sound good? That sounds very good. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll be right back with the second half of episode 344 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, 
Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. Please remember the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 344, where you can learn all about Edward M. Smink, PhD, my friend and colleague, his book, the second edition of Soul of Caregiving, A Caregiver's Guide to Healing and Transformation that comes out November 1st, 2021 in paperback and Kindle with hardcover to come later on. And Ed, we were talking about so many things, the three taboos, the cultural taboos against, you know, talking about how we feel and then asking for what we need, et cetera. We talked about um, why your book is so important and compassion fatigue and seeking out the help we need, which is often culturally um, looked upon askance, I guess we could say. And I mentioned before the break that we were going to talk about the difference between caregivers and caretakers in your world, in your cosmology, what is the difference between a caregiver and a caretaker? What I have discovered is when you, when you just mention the two words, caregiver and caretaker, when you say caregiver, there's something very personal about it. Caregiver has to do with relationship. It has to do with relationships with yourself. It has to do with relationships with the person you're caring for. And it has Mm -hmm. to do on a third level, how those experiences affect you. In other words, being a caregiver affects your life and makes you a better person. So there's something relational. There's something soulful. And there's something that's different and, and con- that connects you with the other. When you hear the word caretaker, immediately you hear taker. And a taker is one that doesn't allow themselves to develop deeply within themselves those experiences that can change them. So, I call, when a person starts feeling compassion fatigue, what what usually becomes a very exciting job, all of a sudden becomes, oh my God, I can't wait till I get home. Oh my God, I, I hate this job. Oh my God, I wish I can get out of it. They become a caretaker. They become a caretaker because they've lost their, they lost reconnecting with their soul. Hmm. So when you reconnect with your soul, which is the motivation, that interior spark within you that feeds you, Mm -hmm. you start losing your motivation for doing the caregiving. And is this, is this something you have observed over time working with healthcare providers and you've made this distinction, or is this a distinction you had encountered before? This is something that I've learned from my own experience. I became Mm -hmm. a caretaker because Mm -hmm. I stopped taking care of myself. I was just doing my work almost like rote. I was just, you know, going to work, going to work, always. I was a perfectionist. 
And, and a perfectionist doesn't give much time to reflection because you're always busy on doing the next thing. Yes. Unfortunately, in our healthcare system, we always want to do the best, but we're not perfectionist. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. what happens is we confuse excellence, you know, we want the physician and nurse to do their best, mm -hmm. and they do their best. But they're not perfect all the time. We all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. and, and to acknowledge that happens, and I don't mean drastically, well, sometimes they, they are, but I mean just, just the sense of acknowledging I'm human. I'm not a god. Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. I still have room to grow. See, that's an important distinction. I, I, I'm not a, per, I'm not perfect. And and to, and I always say when I give classes, um, is there anyone perfect in the room? No one raises their hand. And then I would say, and don't we just hate people who think they are? Hmm. Yeah. Right. So yeah. all of that ties into the difference between being obsessed versus being in relationship to. Mm. And that's beautiful. Thank you. And, and relation relationship, right. Involves so many things, communication, compassion, empathy, right. Um, and isn't that, Aren't those pillars of what caregiving is about? They are what caregiving is about. And I don't know a caregiver who doesn't, I'm going to use the word suffer because of the care they give. I see. Compassion mm -hmm. comes from two Latin words. The first means together. Come means together. Mm -hmm. So together with, I'm together with another and passio means to suffer with. Mm. And so think of a parent who doesn't suffer because of their children. Yes. You know, th think, of, think of an educator who doesn't suffer because he, he or she wishes that one particular student would get it. Mm -hmm. Or think of a doctor or nurse who doesn't suffer because they really wish that one person would be more observant and, and stop abusing um, for example, smoking, uh -huh. you know, that's affecting their health. Uh -huh. and, and so all of that goes on. And even when there's very positive outcomes, the person, the caregiver is very grateful, but it, it almost wants to go, whew, they got it, <laughs> uh -huh. you know? And so there, there is that sense of, of uh, compassion that is, is the key. And we can have compassion for another. Here's the bigger, bigger you know, we can't have a, the clinker is what I want to say. Yeah. We can't have compassion yeah. for another unless we have compassion for ourselves. Mm. You could hear okay. all the religious teachings, you know, mm -hmm. love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And we're good at reaching out and helping but we're very bad in, in taking care of ourselves. Are we good enough? Right. Do we feel we're good enough? And my friend, Jana Thomason, who's known as the Enneagram nurse, she's been on the show. We talked all about the Enneagram, which is a certain type of 
holistic personality profile, which is very fascinating. And she identified that like me, many people who go into nursing, for instance, are type twos on the Enneagram and the type two is the helper. And the helper wants to give, 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 and be of service every moment, but they don't necessarily have a natural capacity to give to themselves and to think about themselves. And they will give to the point of, you know, exhaustion. Compassion, fatigue, and burnout. Compassion, <laughs> fatigue, and burnout. Right. And I'm a type two on the Enneagram and I, I totally get it. So, <laughs> so November is National Caregivers Month and your book is launching, the second edition of the book is launching November 1st, 2021. Who started National Caregivers Month and who, who celebrates it? Because we don't hear about it a whole lot. So we don't, where we is don't it hear about it. Um, I, I'm wondering if it was, was started by Rosalind Carter uh, and her her work. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I I don't know who started it, but it's been it's been active for uh, I I, I want to say for a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, during the pandemic, we we had signs all over the place. We we thank our heroes. Well, caregivers don't like to be called heroes. No, I've but, talked about that a lot. Tell me more of your thoughts on that. And I'll well, tell you mine. It, they think it's just their job, which it is. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if I ask, do you do heroic work? All of them would say, yeah, my work is very heroic. Mm -hmm. You know, it really takes an effort to stay with that patient or to do X, Y, and Z, which is part, part of their, their profession but it's more than a job. See, that's another difference between mm -hmm. caregiver and caretaker. One just consider, considers it just a job. And the other caregiver considers it almost as a calling and vocation. Yes, that's, that's a really, that's a big distinction there, I think. And around the hero thing, I understand, you know, I've read Joseph Campbell, the, the, you know, the, the hero's journey, et cetera. And I totally appreciate that. But in the current culture, which where there's a lot of worship of superheroes, for instance, you know, those, those characters that seem so important in many aspects of our culture right now, not to me personally, but I see them out there. And what I've heard from other nurses and healthcare providers and what I feel myself when people call me a hero, because I give vaccines and do testing, which I don't see as terribly heroic, but they feel like several people I've spoken to have said that being called a hero in the context of the pandemic, they feel on some level, and I agree for myself, it feels a little dehumanizing. It makes you feel like you're, you're more than human, you're superhuman. Because that's what people are kind of saying. You're superhuman going out there as a nurse to work in the COVID unit, right? So I've been writing and talking about the notion, instead of the nurse hero, I say nurse warrior. And when I tell that to nurses, they really resonate with the idea of the nurse warrior. Because the, the pandemic does feel like a war because it's a it's an ongoing battle or series of battles and people feel like they're on the quote unquote front lines. So 
warrior really means a lot to me. And it in a warrior feels more human than a hero feels a little too superhuman to me. So anyway, that's where my mind has been going around this hero thing lately. <laughs> well, I like I like the analogy of warrior and and you know, I also realize that healthcare professionals or caregivers in general almost become superhuman in, in many of the things they do mm-hmm. because to the culture the culture doesn't like messes or doesn't like the involvement that healthcare professionals have mm-hmm. you know they don't like the messiness of it and yes. so the culture says oh you're you're a hero because you're doing what i can't do but the bottom line is all of us no matter what profession we're in are caregivers because to be human is to care Mm-hmm. And so, and during the pandemic, parents had to learn how to be teachers. You know, they had to learn how to be um, dietitians. They Good had point. to learn how to be care, you know, caregivers to their to their families. Mm-hmm. And so, there is that sense that normal human sense in us of, of caregiving. And once we realize it's it's a real gift. In fact, I believe it's a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. I believe yes. that it it, it 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 invokes in us values, and that's what I mean by spirituality. It invokes in us values and interior uh, um, strengths that we use to do our work, which makes it again a calling and vocation. Mm. Yes, right. Thank you. That's the calling and vocation piece is really important. And I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, if people want to buy the book, they should wait for the second edition to come out. I think you would want them to buy the second edition. Well, first. yes, actually, the first edition is going to be stopped in the, in the next month or so. Okay. And what will be available is the second edition. And the reason why we're I'm launching it on November 1st is to begin November to, to begin November Caregivers Month. National the, Caregivers Month. Right. Exactly. And the, the revision is an attempt to put into words different experiences I have learned and as a tool. So I invite your readers and your listeners to join me on November 1st at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And the, the Zoom link I can give you, and they can just Zoom onto that link at 5 p.m. Pacific time on November 1st. Wonderful. Okay. We'll make sure we get that out on social media too. And Ed, it's great to have you back and to talk about your book and the second edition and National Caregivers Month and all this important work you do. And if people want to hear your first interview with me, they can go to nursekeith.com forward slash soul of caregiving. That's from May 18th, 2020. And we'll have that in the show notes too, if people want to hear both interviews, because it's, I think it's be a nice little, um, um, just gestalt to listen to both episodes. I think that would be really wonderful. And, you know, we'll have you back when your next book comes out and, Thank you so much for gracing the airwaves once again. 
with your presence and bringing this really important work to, to the world. It's my pleasure. And, and thank you again for your wanting to reach out to caregivers and, and helping by having me do this presentation. I'm very grateful. I'm grateful too, Ed. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Those show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 344. Remember, if you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your career, look no further than nursekeith.com and email me at nurse at keith at nursekeith.com. You'll get 15% off if you mention Edward Smink. And again, please consider becoming a patron of the podcast at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. $2 a month for a year would be awesome if you'd like to do that. And you can avail yourself of some cool prizes and premiums if you want to pledge more. So thank you so much for considering. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts out there please check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. The Nurse Keith Show is produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. Thank you, Rob. And Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Thank you to Mark as well. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And my dear friend, Dr. Edward Smink, bidding you Arriva Derche from... From Atascadero, California. From Atascadero, California. Thank you, Ed. Thank you to everyone for listening. And we will catch you on the flip side.